0: It's time for the Tri-County Equipment Get Stuck on Sports Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dennis Stuckey and Brady Beaton.
1: All right, welcome aboard, and it's uh, Dennis and uh, Brady, and it's time for another uh, podcast. I don't know, I've lost track. We're getting close to 300. Yeah, it's around there. Either way,
2: uh, I know three weeks of the football season have come and gone now completely. Uh, There's some teams I think I know a lot more about. There's some teams that I'm still interested to see how the rest of their season will play out, Dennis. Uh, it was a it was a good Saturday for teams in our area for well, all but one. But we'll we'll talk about what the weirdness was with that Deckerville game. <laughs> yeah. um, do you want me to complain now or in the first segment about the setup at Liggett?
1: Uh, go ahead and and, and complain now. So okay. That, because the game, yeah, deserves like to be. Yeah, I don't want to take yeah.
2: away from those kids. so. That's a good point. That's why you've been in this business for so long. <laughs> so, Grosse Point Liggett, right? One, a, a private school and a very wealthy private school. Like, you you go to some smaller private schools, like you go to Parkway Christian Cardinal. They, they don't have the typical, like, Brother Rice Country yes. Day. They're, not all private schools are cut from the same cloth. No. Liggett is not cut from the same cloth as Mooney. Dennis, you pull in. To this, there and you see. First of all, their athletic facilities is they have like a field hockey uh, s- uh, little stadium. They have uh, baseball, softball. Everything's turf. You pull in the football field is next to their own hockey rink. Yep. Dennis, you know hockey rinks are far. It would probably cost less for a school in our area to, from scratch, build baseball, softball, basketball, football, all that, than have one hockey rink. I I would say so. And I don't think that, especially to maintain.
1: Yeah, the cost to maintain, way less than maintaining a hot drink. Yes, so. Don't need a Zamboni.
2: So it is very clear that Liggett has money and can fund athletics. I don't think anyone was doubting that. So, and I go, I pull up, and I look at Liggett's football field, and it is the saddest, most, I'll, I'll I'll, I'll say it's a pathetic setup, for a football, a varsity football team, it is clear that the that the focus in Liggett Athletics is not on football. Now, the turf was very nice. The turf looked new, and it looked like it was a good spot to play. And I'm sure the players wished it was grass because it was it was one of the hotter days on Saturday, and it showed in the game. But the turf was very nice. Dennis, the home stands were the size of Marysville's and and East China's away stands. You could fit maybe 100 people in those stands, and the road stands were like the Little League stands you get when you can fit 20 people on each side of the dugout. Mooney had to tell their people to bring folding chairs. Now, again, it's easy to spend other people's money. How much does it cost to spend for actual bleachers? How much does it cost to put another set of the bleachers on the home side on the roadside? So that was the sad part. The second part was they didn't have a press box. They had a press platform. There's a lot of problems with that. First of all, usually stuff in a press box needs to be protected from the weather for the most part. Like At least everywhere we've gone, we've never done a game in the area that hasn't had a press box. On GetStuckOnSports.com.
1: Yeah, because you've got the, the, the board that runs the scoreboard is a piece of electronic equipment. Right. An expensive piece. The PA system is generally expensive. So the cameras to film with. Cameras to film with, yeah. And
2: even at Armada, where we have to sit outside, we still have an overhang, and we are backed up to a press box. So when I did the game last year against Croslex, I was covered. It was rainy, I got a little wet, but I was mostly dry and the equipment was dry the entire game. Now, I set up the Mooney coaches have to go stand in the corner of the stands. The one the one coach says to me, he goes, I don't even know if it's worth standing up here. Like this is terrible. And I, I'm scooched in the corner of this platform and I'm and the whole time they're saying, Hey, if you want concession stands, go into our hockey rink and get them. <laughs> now I understand that you go to a small school and sometimes they might not have the modern amenities that's why i don't get upset when you go to a small school in the thumb or it's hard to get taxpayer money to pay for a press box i understand that but liggett doesn't have to worry about that and it is far and away the worst setup i have ever seen in a football field and everyone there will will, can back me up on that like I could not believe how sad it was. Dennis, we've, we're going to do eight-man games, and they will be 10,000 times better setups for not only us, for the coaches, for everyone else around it. And for Liggett to have that is just sad.
1: Yeah, uh, I know I know where you're coming from. I mean, you've been up to Brown City and seen their facilities. You've been out to North Branch and seen their facilities. Uh, the baseball facility at Mayville was incredible, um, and so, I, and yeah, we're it, not it high seems, maintenance. It seems weird that Liggett is set up that way, but I don't, again. Can I get a canopy?
2: Can I get a, a <laughs> pop up <laughs> shelter from the sun or the rain should that happen? Because the other thing is, it, it it tells me that, hey, you don't have a big home side. tells me a lot of your goods aren't from Girls Point.
1: That might be the case, too.
2: But it, like, I get it. The only other time I felt like this is at Lutheran North for baseball when I was at this abomination of a baseball field and behind me is like this (laughs) cathedral of a school. And like, Could someone not have paid to just... It's it's not that much to ask to give the coaches a spot, the filmers a spot. Just make, make it a box. Make your press platform a press box, and I would have been happy. My rant is over, and we can talk about the game and other stuff when we come back, but Dennis... I sent you the picture of it. It was the worst setup and the
1: saddest setup I've ever seen. I've had a couple of good fields this week, and we'll get to all that. When you run with us on a Gator UTV, the engine has your full attention. The herd takes notice, and the trail meets its match. Because with effortless four-wheel drive and our smoothest shifting transmission yet, nothing runs like a deer.
2: Marysville.
1: 44 duraclean by bachelor the ymca of the blue water area is pleased to announce a night of champions thursday september 15th at 6 p.m at the mcmoran arena in downtown port huron eight-time emmy award winner mike doc emmerich will host with special guests activities food and both live and silent auctions tickets must be purchased in advance and are available at the ymca 1525 third street in port huron Cost is $100 per person or $1,000 for a table. For more information on A Night of Champions with Mike Doc Emmerich, call the Y at 810-987-6400, extension 132.
0: Hello, this is Tim Sheridan, owner of Sheridan Real Estate and Insurance
1: in Lexington. A family tradition that started back in 1925 with Grandpa Sheridan.
0: Promoting trust, care, and excellence, Sheridan is dedicated to understanding and taking care of all your needs. Respected throughout the community and dedicated, Sheridan is a proud supporter of local activities like high school athletics. For all your real estate and insurance needs, please go to our website at SheridanAgency.com. If you're not listening to GetStuckOnSports.com, that's a personal foul. Your kids, your schools, your sports. All right, welcome back,
1: uh, Dennis and Brady. Tri-County Equipment Get Stuck on Sports uh, podcast. Uh, you had asked me a question, Brady, and a quick answer is 3-0. Thank you.
2: All right, well, a uh, team that was trying to go to 3-0, Liggett brought in Mooney and all their football field aside. Uh, <laughs> it was a very interesting game. So Mooney had kind of... Their own, I guess I, I in the, on the broadcast, I called him their own thoroughbred, their own go to guy um, a, a, across from Brendan Hazen later in Oliver Service. You now, Dennis, you remember that name from baseball and tell everyone what, what Oliver Service is on the ball diamond.
1: Well, he, he was their catcher uh, and he's going to Texas. Yeah. And he's a <laughs> good player
2: and he is athletic as can be he's got a rifle arm I'm actually surprised he's not the quarterback well their quarterback you you know uh Jones also is going to Michigan yeah. yeah was committed at least in the spring I don't know with the coaching change anyway that's not the point so I'm thinking oh boy there might be some points and uh Liggett on the first drive gets to a fourth down. They th- they basically throw an arm punt that Hazen later returns uh, to the 45 and, and march down the field. Get to the tw- get to the uh, 21. It was third and about nine, I think. A s- this little slip screen pass to Hazen Leder, and he finds a hole and it's a touchdown. And it's eight nothing Mooney after uh, Brendan Hazen later gets the two point conversion. Since Ryan Trombley's out, he's there kicker they they basically were going to go for two every every time they went for two got it ate nothing and then no one wanted to score again <laughs> and it wasn't it wasn't like watching Iowa football where it was three and out punt three and out punt in fact I don't know if a team went three and out except for maybe the last liggett drive went three and out the entire game It was two really good defenses, and the Heat played a huge factor. Both teams, I mean, obviously, when you're D7, D8 like Mooney and Liggett are, you have to have guys play both ways. And a 2 o'clock start on a Saturday, it was warm, the turf was warm, Mooney's uh, coaches were using timeouts not for any strategic advantage, but just to give the guys a break. Oliver Service, uh, the, the man I just mentioned from Liggett, he had to come out of the game. He missed a significant portion of the second quarter, and it looked like it was just exhaustion because uh, he played both ways. He was their running back and their safety, and they gave him the ball early and often against Mooney, and he had some success. He actually hurdled a player in the first quarter, which he did it as clean as can be. It's illegal in high school football because, well, he can do it, but then someone else might try to do it, get flipped on their head, and next thing you know, it's, it's a bad situation. Yeah. But both offense would move it, and they'd get in the red zone and stall out, or, or a bad snap for Liggett would turn the ball over. And it went into the halftime, 8 nothing, and both sides kept moving the ball. Mooney got the ball to start the second half, I took it eight minutes, got inside the Liggett 15 and turned it over on downs. And then Liggett would move it, and then it was just two really good defenses, whole, bending and not breaking at all against two really good offenses. And you could tell that Heat played a big factor. Um, Mooney short a couple guys. And Liggett's defense has only given up eight points on the year, and they're two and one. And that's because Mooney's defense was a little better on Saturday.
1: Well, uh, this is defensively for Mooney because, again, Liggett had scored 78 points in their first two games. So th- this was an offense that was scoring. Against Lutheran, Westland, and Detroit. Still, they, they're, they're scoring points. And Mooney gave up 43 uh, the week before. Again, Seminary could move the football. They were a difficult offense. But to go from giving up 43 and then facing a team that's basically averaging 40 a game and pitch a shutout, it was very that's impressive pretty good. Without some of your guys. Without some of your guys and your, head coach. and your head coach. And I'm sure,
2: hey, it's not the prettiest win. I'm sure there's a lot they want to improve on. Uh, both defensive lines kind of controlled the line of scrimmage, but when it came down to it, Mooney made one play that Liggett didn't. And Dennis, you look over the rest of what happened. We talked about it um, on last po- the last podcast. Everest is one and two. Granted, their two losses are to machos, and you low throw up two teams that are traditionally good, but they were non-competitive in those losses. Yeah. Shrine's 0-3. Oh, they bring in Mooney, and they've been outscored, what, like 106-13 to 13 or somewhere in that uh, in that range. Yeah,
1: Shrine has uh, scored 13 and given up 98 this season.
2: So they have been not competitive And talking to people who would know, have kind of agreed Shrine is down and down bad.
1: Yeah, now they've Dennis, lost to Grass Lake, uh, Ann Arbor, Richard and Bishop Foley. Solid teams, but still
2: that's the point differential tells a lot. And Mooney is setting themselves up. Joe Connell told us before the season, I have a good football team, I should be competing for a conference championship, and it starts now with beating a team you haven't beaten in almost 30 years.
1: Yeah, the t- two of their next three games are big games regardless of what the opponent's record is when they come in to play them. Shrine comes in 0-3. Shrine was 0-3 last year, and they went into Mooney and won the game. They're 0-3 this year, and Mooney's got to go there. Yeah, and there, whether you admit it or not, there is
2: a mental hurdle to get over. There is that... Hey, we got to do it. Got to have to slay the dragon. I talk about it with other rivalries. And if you can get a little healthy going into this week, it it makes you feel a little better. But even only scoring eight points, Brendan Hazen leader still had, I think, 150-ish yards uh, of total or rushing and a few more receiving. So he still did what he needed to do. Hopefully, um, on a somewhat short week, they can get healthy a little bit. And get ready to slay one of a few demons because it's them and Everest. I believe um, they are combined one in twenty-three all-time against, and Shrine has won seventeen straight against Cardinal Mooney.
1: Yeah, it's it's one in twenty-four because they're zero 7 against Everest. And by the time they play Everest, and the game uh, will be October first uh, at East China Stadium, Everest is probably going to be three and two
2: because they're one and two right now and they who do they play they Lakes in Cabrini They play
1: at Cabrini and then they have Liggett at home.
2: That Liggett game will tell us a lot. That Liggett game will definitely tell us a lot, but Mooney bounced back in a nice way going from a track meet game against Seminary to a you grind it out ugly win against Liggett and hey, you take the the win in league play. Dennis you saw a game Saturday as well.
1: Yeah, just my final thought oh, on, on Mooney and the, and the defense, uh, getting the shutout, too, when you never led by more than one possession. Yeah, the, that the cause entire those are high game, pressure. Yeah, it, it's not like, oh, we're up 40 to nothing, and we can pin our ears back and go and get people, and if we get burned, it's no big deal. So uh, it, it's a different kind of game. So I'm impressed it, with that. It, it
2: is, and especially when you have a guy on the other side, a couple guys, the, the quarterback Jones, and he had a few receivers. I wouldn't be shocked if they could break off a big play at any time, and Mooney's defense did a very nice job just not allowing any points yeah. from Liggett. So they've done it with their offense. Now
1: they've done it with their defense. Now go slay the beast. Yeah. All right, so Richmond-Detroit University prep. Um, Richmond got the ball first. They had a really nice drive, Brady. Um, and they got down into the red zone and they, they tried for the home run ball. And I think Benetti got hit as he threw the ball and it was a lame duck and it should have been picked off right around the 10 yard line. I mean, it hit the kid in the worst place, right in his hands. (laughs) Um, and he didn't come up with the interception and that was a huge break for Richmond because then they got the ball down to the 10, but they were third and goal at the 10, and Benetti threw a laser beam to Trey Graham uh, on a slant on third and goal from the 10 to get the opening touchdown of the game, and a Richmond drive that started out looking, oh, this is good, this is good. Then you're thinking, ooh, geez, they got away with one, and ooh, geez, they're going to stall here, you know, and then bang, they get the touchdown. Then they come out and get the stop on defense, and force a punt from the goal line, and the kid <laughs> kicks it straight up into the air. It hits at the seven and bounces right into the hands of Noah Harris, who even himself for a second just kind of stood there like, okay, is the ball down? It's not supposed to not go that far. <laughs> or no, the whistle hasn't blown, and everybody was just kind of looking at him, and he took it into the end zone It's a seven yard punt return for a touchdown.
2: (laughs) Which I don't think the stat is kept, but I wonder what the state record for shortest punt return for a touchdown that wasn't blocked was. Yeah. Because that's the thing it was kicked and it went seven. Well,. Where did they snap it from? Yeah,
1: that I, I don't remember exactly. So probably because it's a the punter no, because the punter doesn't stand that far back. Okay. like he doesn't stand as he should have been standing probably in the middle of the end zone. So it would have been like a two. Yeah, a but 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 I, but I I it might not his kick might not have made it out of the end zone. Yikes! So I mean, it, it was just a weird. Goofy play, but it was a touchdown for Richmond, and you know they had only scored twenty-one points this season. So to be up fourteen nothing in the first quarter of a game, uh, they had another nice drive. That first quarter ended with them at the one-yard line, uh, and they were able to punch it in. Then in the first minute of the second quarter, to go up twenty-one nothing, added a touchdown in the third quarter to go up twenty-eight to nothing, and just kind of cruised from there. Uh, Prep has a kid that I like. Um his name is uh Myron Brown. He's one of their running backs. He looks like an offensive or defensive lineman. Runs hard. He runs hard. He's hard to to tackle. I don't know why they don't use him as their feature probably cuz he gets tired, I guess. Does he play both do he, they have guys playing both ways? Yeah, cuz uh, their roster only has you know, like 25 kids on. Yeah. It. Okay. Um and, and but I mean He was by far and away their most effective runner, so I'd like to see him get the ball a little bit more. Uh, And they've got a quarterback that can throw the ball. Problem is, it's hard to throw your ball when you're on your keister all the time. They couldn't block Richmond. This is true. Richmond got him for five, six, seven sacks. Uh, I mean, he was constantly under pressure, um, and they, they threw the ball 20 times. He was running around back there a lot um and and if you're going to do that to your quarterback you better protect him or you're going to need another quarterback before the year is over yeah Uh, well but it was a solid effort by richmond they were the better team uh and it was it's a nice bounce back by the blue devils after getting destroyed the week before
2: yeah and you're feeling better about yourself going into what should be a fun matchup against yale but yeah and the other thing you said dennis uh Prep wasn't as helpless as you thought they, they might be.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wasn't really sure what we were getting ourselves into. I don't think Richmond was fully sure. Yeah, no, I, I, and, and you, and you kind of go like, you know, you know what are we going to see here? They come out again. They got these beautiful, bright, white, and red uniforms. Look great. Um, Probably and, used their art and design school to make them. Yeah, and, and they, they, you know, they look like a football team. And they look like they have football players. And they play football. They, they, you know, are, are they going to win a lot of games? No. But were they the most awful thing I've ever seen? No, I've seen a lot worse. I've seen a lot worse. That That's good, and that's a nice win for Richmond.
2: One last question. Did Preps' uh, bus driver get him there on time, or did he? He
1: did. Uh, now, it was good old days in Richmond this weekend, and they had the streets shut down for a parade. Uh, and I had a very unorthodox way to get into the uh, the school. Fortunately, at noon the parade ended and they reopened the main streets. Ah. Um, and the and the bus got there a little after uh, noon, and everything was uh, fine. Uh, I want to thank uh, one of the assistant uh, coaches, Coach. I just call him Coach Willie. Uh, Coach Willie knew my dad mm. uh, from his days at uh, Denby. Uh, and uh, he got me a roster, and I believe I was the only person there who had a Detroit prep roster. Really? Yeah. I know the PA guy didn't, and he did a great job. He just gave numbers, but he was right on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's always a tough
2: situation, and that's something else that, uh, yeah, it's hard to do. Like, when, when you broadcast, I mean, you talk to anyone that does it at a high level, You they talk about all the prep work they have to do, and... Yeah, there's a lot to do when you have the information, but Dennis, you know from doing this so long, we're we're lucky around here that there is a uh everyone usually has rosters and has it ready to go and has information online might be tough to get, but you get to some of those small schools or schools that don't prioritize athletics. Sometimes finding even a roster is impossible, yeah. and you can't prep at all.
1: You no. go in completely blind. Yeah, no, I, I didn't know a whole lot about them going in, but um, I was able to get my hands on a roster, so
2: thanks, Coach Willie. All right, um, had some other games going on Saturday. Let's. I think we'll spend a little time on this. So you listened to the Deckerville-Toledo Christian game because you were just curious. You had seen Deckerville once, and they're playing a team from Ohio um so set the scene of you listening to this game and explain why when people look and see Deckerville lost by 50 that it shouldn't be a cause for alarm
1: yeah no they, they lose this game 54 to eight but the first thing uh that the guys from Thumbtail Gator said is hey Toledo Christian if they were a Michigan school would be playing d5 or d6 I think you said they had what, six hundred kids? They, they they have over six hundred kids so, at their school. So that is, I
2: believe, Richmond size. Yeah. And, so imagine and, and inst- they're playing eight man football. So instead of Richmond playing U prep, Richmond had an eight man team and they went to Deckerville. Yeah. That's like what happened. Oh, and it's a private school too.
1: Yeah. Uh their their quarterback, Charlie Duck the fourth. Which is there a more private school
2: quarterback name <laughs> than that? <laughs> Like that sounds like an SNL name for for when they want to have the hated private Charlie
1: Duck the fourth. Was it? Did it used to be Duckworth or something? Uh, Charlie Duck D U C K, just like Donald Duck, Daffy Duck, <laughs> Daisy Duck, Howard the Duck. Uh, he's related to somebody. Oh, and he's good at football, <laughs> isn't he? He's very good. He is six and apparently so is everybody else on their roster. 'Cause the well, yeah, guys yeah. got the, 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 the guy's kept eight. kept going pass complete to Ryan. He's six two whatever. And the handoff to this guy and oh he's six two whatever. Like they were big, they were fast. Uh, they they scored uh, – their first play from scrimmage was a 38-yard touchdown pass. Their second play from scrimmage was a 54-yard touchdown run, uh, and their fourth play from scrimmage was a 67-yard touchdown run. On their first four carries of the game, they had 145 yards and three touchdowns. I give Deckerville credit for not taking a bye week. Absolutely. They, they could have just said, ah, Flint International doesn't want to play – We'll take our uh, win and uh, take the week off. They went out and found a game against uh, a team that I I think, too, they knew was that
2: good. No, they're not going to be that naive to just go, oh, we need – like, you do a little bit of research. You don't just call
1: blindly. Yeah, no, I, I think Coach Brown said, hey, you know what? Recently in the playoffs, we've been running into those buzzsaw teams Let's play a buzzsaw saw team early and and a see how we stack a up. A nuke team,
2: <laughs> seriously, like six hundred. That's bigger than Marine City. Yeah, and with an eight man, the, the biggest thing that coaches will tell you is finding offensive line. You need what three offensive linemen, maybe four in eight man, and it's you're going to find three out of six hundred kids. Yeah. So that was,
1: that was one of the weirdest things. And how they're allowed to play eight, man. Don't know the rules in Ohio. There are only, a, from what I understand, there's only a handful of teams uh, in Ohio, and this uh, Toledo Christian play quite a few teams in southern Michigan because they're closer games than some of the teams in Ohio that they have to play. But, again, wh- if it's 600 kids, the, on- the only
2: thing I can think of for why it's eight man football is at one point in the not too di- or not too distant past this was an all girls school and they made the switch so their the like ratio is way off to where they still have five hundred girls in the school and they're still trying to build up their male population I, for sport. That, I don't know. That's the only thing I could even
1: fathom they said they had 26 guys on the roster that is a lot for an eight-man roster most eight-man rosters are 18 to 20 guys yeah and i'm that's and i'm sure they have a jv program
2: and that yeah with an eight-man usually those 18 to 20 are seniors through freshmen like there's no there's no jv for them to play at at
1: a lot of schools so that's so, anyways, that's that, tough. That that was the story of the uh, the day for for Deckerville. Uh, they <laughs> they went to war with a really good team. You know who's a really good team? Brown City. Apparently, how about those Green Devils? <laughs> they are gonna yeah. Toledo
2: Christian traveled didn't travel as far as Brown City did for their game. <laughs> they went to Onnecoma
1: and and destroyed them fifty two to nothing. So Brown City. In three three man games and they a- didn't eight, do, man. eight man games and, and they didn't decide
2: football would to, be fun.
1: They didn't decide to go eight man till very late. Um, one hundred and fifty six to thirty two. They have
2: won their first three games, and yeah, I bet you there's a nice buzz about Brown City up there and their football team because Dennis uh, Britton Deerfield, the the probably the toughest team on their schedule, took a tough loss to a good team, but. Brown City has to feel like right now there is not a game in the regular season that they could lose.
1: Well, they, they get a, a decent Sutton's Bay team this week. Sutton's Bay is 2-1, and one, um, and the team they lost to is a pretty good team. And I
2: don't even want to call it a home-and-home because home it's not a home at home It's uh, Yeah, they play them twice, both
1: in Brown City. And you'll be there to see that one. Yes. Uh, this, uh, this one's on uh, Saturday. It's a 3 o'clock kickoff. And, uh, and we'll go out there and take a look and, and see what uh, Brown City is all about. And I'm, I'm kind of excited about
2: it. Yeah, because you already saw one good eight-man game. Hopefully, you, uh, you get to see another. But no, we're, we're very excited about the Green Devils. And I'm still, in my mind, I'm hoping that we get to see kind of an all-thumb region and someone comes out of there, whether it be Deckerville, K-PAC, because, Dennis, I'm sure you'd love to see a rematch of those two teams. Well, the
1: the thing is, is if we can get an all-thumb region, that automatically puts a team in the semifinals. Right, because... I mean,
2: okay, if, if we stretch out our boundaries a little bit and include, well, North Huron's D2. I don't yeah. think there's another. I think KPAC, Deckerville, and uh, Brown City would be the three, and then maybe Oakland Christian would be in that grouping. One of those teams is going to uh, be. You could a, get Kingston in is there Is Kingston maybe? D1 in uh, eight-man? I think so. I'd I'm have not to sure. come back not and 100%. check. but um, Yeah, I think one of those teams has the a very real chance to make a deep eight-man run. So, that's what happened. That finished out the weekend, Dennis. um, I have a couple questions for you in the second segment before we get to our top ten that I'm just going to throw at you. I haven't told you this beforehand, and I just want to see where you go with them. Okay. So, uh, yeah, let's pay some bills and then a few questions for Dennis
1: when we come back. 800- 250-7520.
3: and our social media for the latest updates on port Huron schools
0: if you're not listening to get stuck on sports.com that's a personal foul your kids your schools your sports
1: all right welcome back dennis and uh, brady tri-county equipment get stuck on sports podcast uh it's it's the beginning of the week so we're kind of all over the map
2: yes yes we are <laughs> but uh dennis the the my situation at Liggett, I was just venting some more off the air. Um but it reminded you of a, a and I will admit this, a much worse setup that you <laughs> had to do. What was this your first or second year broadcasting?
1: Uh well I was uh, working in Saginaw so this is either your year this is year three for me. Okay, but still very early
2: on. So yeah, like the, for me, year three, you're year three and it wasn't that they didn't have a press box. It's that they didn't let you in the press
1: box. No, yeah. They, they had a huge press box. What was the game? Uh, it was uh, Swan Valley was at Harrison, I believe, is the, the name of the school. Is it still around? I think it's still around. They're, okay. they're kind of uh, a little north of Bay City. All right. Um, so, And this is in the days. This is pre-internet. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to have an actual physical phone line put in and generally they install a phone line in the press box so I'm going to the stadium expecting to go into the press box be shown where my phone line is plug in and broadcast the game and when I get there they have this immaculate press box is there it's it's huge it's like for a college stadium. is there
2: any high school around here that you can compare it to
1: um no not that size
2: Okay, like, so it's like, just huge.
1: P- picture the press box at uh, Marysville and Marine City and double them. Okay, gotcha. I mean, it, it was a big press box. So I, I get there, and, and the guy is like, you're not going to be inside tonight. I have to put you outside because we're going to have sleep, and we're going to have Rain and we're going to have cold temperatures, and we we put the grandparents and our older alumni people inside on on the cold nights. And this, Which, is what look, am I going to say to the guy? About looking that? back at this, it looks like this is a 1996
2: playoff game. Yes. So this is on November 8th.
1: Yeah. So he he says we're going to set you up uh on top of our equipment shed. <laughs> okay. Not knowing what the equipment, sh- right? So we go behind the visiting stands. All the way to the one end of the field, and the equipment shed is basically like in the corner of an end zone. So it's a really bad angle, too, of the field. Right. Like, unless they're inside the 10-yard line at the end we're at, you really can't tell what's going on. Uh, and there's a little ladder up to the – it's basically a, a, a metal chicken coop. <laughs> that, that, that's their equipment shed. It's made out of sheet metal. The the roof has got a slant to it, um, I guess, so that the water will roll off and pour down the back. And this or, is where or, they're putting
2: you to broadcast. This is where they're
1: putting us to broadcast the game. And, like, no chairs or not. The chairs would have just slid right off because of the angle. So me and my partner, Jack Taney, are on our knees in the sleeve And by the end of the game, like, it's iced. Right. We're, we're frozen solid. My my equipment, like we had to chisel the the unit that we used, the the phone box we call right. it, basically off the roof of this thing when we were done. <laughs> uh, the the be, because of the weather conditions, too, the the phone line disconnected several times during the broadcast. Shock. Plus, plus, it was one of those nights where the field got tore apart pretty quick. Um, Harrison was wearing white uniforms So you couldn't read Swan Valley, white numbers, you couldn't read right. them So it, it, it was a nightmare It ended up being a blowout in running time So thank, thankfully for that I, I'm pretty sure This like, one says it was a
2: 24-21
1: No, that's not the same game then Go, go back uh, a I'm, couple of years I'm trying to find it so, so um, But um, yeah, because it wasn't that close Because um, I, I would have been even more upset about it If it were that close <laughs> Uh, it got to the point too in the second half where Jack just took his headphones off and said, "It. I'm just going to sit here. I'm done. There, there's nothing I can say about this game, and I'm too cold to talk anymore." <laughs> so it can always get worse. So it so, can so always we, get we, worse. We, we we muddled our our way through that one, but yeah, from the top of a uh, wrought iron chicken coop in a uh, hail storm, sleet storm, whatever you want to call it, storm, and it, it was it was a bad setup. All right. with that said, Dennis, as I mentioned, I have a few questions for you, and
2: I just wanted to, because we'll go over the games um, uh, Thursday, so I guess that's where we can start, looking at this slate of games, maybe not the best matchup, but what is a game you look at, a game or two that you look at right now and you go, this will teach me the most this week, that I will know more Friday night than I know right now about a team or both teams in this matchup?
1: Well, uh, North Branch Almont is the one that just jumps right off the uh, the paper at you because, you know, we look at the BWAC, CrosLex, Armada, North Branch Almont are the four best teams in that league. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think there's anybody that would argue that point. We found out at least last week for a game, CrosLex was three touchdowns better than Armada that was a little bit of a surprise it's a little bit of a culture shock right there thought that those two teams were were much closer to that where do North Branch and Elmont stack up because they haven't other? been tested the, the
2: biggest test for either side was going to Marysville yeah for Elmont and unfortunately for them Marysville's one in one since that game so while on paper or talent wise it might be a better win the record doesn't reflect that
1: yeah no but uh Clearly, Elmont wasn't tested the next week by Hamtramck, mm-hmm. um, and they weren't tested by MLA City. North Branch rolled Redford Thurston. Uh, then they uh, decimated uh, MLA City in their next one. Yes. And then they beat Yale last week 51 to nothing. And again, if you take the records of those teams, um, I think it's one win. Yeah, Yale yeah. has a win. Yeah, they beat Annapolis. Annapolis who might not have a win. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look. Uh, So they've both been taking care of business. They've been doing what we talk about. Good teams shellack bad teams. Mm -hmm. They have been shellacking bad teams. Um, Now they have to play each other, and one of them is either going to get exposed or they're going to play the game of the century, and we're going to see that these are two really close football teams. And let me ask you this
2: about this matchup since you brought it up. Obviously, Coach Furman was at Almont, now at North Branch. They say the rivalries make, they tighten everything up. If if, if it was two nameless teams and, and, and no logos, if it was, I'm just using this as an example, a 14-point spread that it's a rivalry game, you take it down to about 7 or 10, and, and it gets closer. How much of a factor do you think that plays in in this
1: I, for these two schools, I think it is a big deal. Uh, and last year, what, they played an overtime game? Yes. That, that uh, had controversy and fun, um, and it was a great football game. Um, what Elmont doesn't have from last year's team is Hunsucker, mm-hmm. uh, and what North Branch has from last year's team is everybody. is a lot. <laughs> yes, a
2: lot. And I know there have been some coaches that have been very impressed with with
1: North Branch. I mean, they've outscored opponents 167-7. to seven. Now, here's the other thing about this that we don't talk about enough, but we have to talk about it this week. Okay. Um, one of Almont's better running backs, one of their <laughs> three main guys, yes. is Furman. Bryce Furman. Bryce Furman, who is Coach Furman's son at North Branch. And I said tongue-in-cheek to you earlier today. Yeah. Well, what if he grounds his son and tells him he can't play <laughs> this week? How much w- would that just yeah. – like, they would riot. In hey, um,
2: I'm going to send you on vacation. You're going down to, uh, to F- uh, Myrtle Beach for the weekend. <laughs> Come on, here's your plane <laughs>
1: ticket. And um, then I said, what happens at the Furman home if Bryce <laughs> rushes for 300 yards and five touchdowns this week?
2: <laughs> I think if there's any way to lose that game, I'm sure Dad would be proud. If, there's a, if he's going to lose, he wants to lose to his own. Yeah. Okay. Any And other- he doesn't
1: want to lose, though.
2: No, he does not. Any other matchups that just think I'm going to learn a lot from this before I go well, on to my Marine next question?
1: Well, Marine City-Southlake is the other one that kind of – Interesting. How, okay. How good is Southlake? They're 3-0. and um, They just beat Marysville, uh, come from behind at home last week. They get this one at home. Um, Ma- Marine City is two and one. I still think the Mariners are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still think that they can go to South Lake and win this I football think they're the game. Favorite too. But I'm I'm interested to see how this game plays out and what kind of a game it actually is.
2: Yes, I I am as well, and I think it'll tell us a lot about Marysville this week as they play Lamp Fear, a team that I don't think you can as much as my my bias aside from when i played throughout most of lampfear's football history you can't just write them off as a win anymore so i think it'll tell us a lot about both
1: yeah um, and there are there are other games that intrigue me like lampfear at marysville uh, how marysville stacks up against lampfear how good is lampfear mm-hmm. um, i want i want to see that uh, the mooney at shrine game only because of the history uh, I right. think Mooney going into this game is the heavy favorite if to it, win. They just haven't beaten Shrine for 17 straight times. All
2: right. If Royal Oak Shrine was wearing a different uniform and called something else, if the same team was called Parkway Christian and they played them, I think we'd all be going, yeah, Mooney's got it. But yeah. there, there is something about beating that logo for the first time in 30 years. And
1: then Ubley Beach, obviously, they're both 3-0. and And let's face it, that's all ready for the GTC East title.
2: Yes. Okay, we are a third of the way through the season, Dennis. Can you believe that? At least the regular season. It goes fast. Man. It does. So, my first question about the one-third point of the season. Which team, through three games, does their record least represent what that team is? That if someone, like what we try to do when you know we see a team from out of the area and we just look at the record and go, all right, well, this is what they try to figure it out. If, if a out-of-area person was trying to figure out a team from this area and they saw a record and just looked at that and said, oh, they're really good or they're really bad,
1: which team's record represents them the least? Uh, I would go, boy, that that's actually kind of a difficult uh, question because I could actually pick a couple of teams that have winning records and put a negative twist on it. Yes, because
2: you know that the schedule coming up could be tougher. Um, like, I don't think they are a bad team by any means, but I could see how someone could look at Northern's schedule and try to make them out as not being that good, even though we know they are that good, because they their schedule in front of them
1: was not tough, and they've taken care of business. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually I'm going to get myself in trouble for this. I'm looking at Richmond. They beat a St. Clair team that struggles on offense, and they beat Detroit University Prep, and in between they lost by 54 points to Crosslex. What kind of a team really is Richmond? And I think you'll—I guess we go back to the interesting matchup question. We'll learn a lot against Yale, won't we? Yeah, and Yale is one and two. They beat Annapolis, who's not a real strong team, Uh, but then they played Armada and North Branch, two teams that we think are really good. Uh, and took it on the chin. How good or bad are Yale? Because we have higher expectations for them yes. this year. Yes. Yes, we do. Okay.
2: which has been Who has been the most surprising team through three weeks? Who is way better or way worse than you thought they would be going into the season? And who are you either
1: pleasantly or disappointingly surprised by? Um, boy, I don't know that I'm really surprised. Much by uh, any of of the teams, really. I expected Croslex, who are technically four and now. Right. Well, yes. Well, I think it becomes official Friday night. Yeah, yes. but uh, I, I expected Croslex to be this good. We expected North Branch, Elmont, and Armada to be good. Uh, and again, I'm not going to let Armada losing to Croslex spoil me on Armada. Just like I wasn't going to let. Yeah, the the loss that Marine City had to Armada Spolami me on Marine City. Still think they're they're really good. Uh, throw out week one for PH again. They were playing a bunch of bionic robots, uh, and and they have scored eighty nine points in the two games since PH is an okay football team. Uh, Northerns three and zero. Their defense is everything that we expected, and their offense has been way better than we expected. So, none of that really surprises me. We knew St. Clair was a young football team and yeah. that it was going to take some time for them. But hey, their defense has been wonderful.
2: That might be this one year. of the bigger ones. Yeah. I, I thought I knew what you were going to say and you didn't even mention them. I think the biggest surprise through three weeks is the emergence of K Pack and Brown City and eight man.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of put in eight-man on the back burner here for, for a second. But, yeah, um, the fact that uh, Brown City not only is 3-0 and but has not been challenged by anybody. Their closest game was a 20-point win yes. on the other side
2: of the state. Yes. So they traveled three hours and then kicked some butt and left.
1: Yeah, they have scored 64 points, 40 points, and 52 points in their three wins uh, and haven't given up much. I think 12 points, 20 points, and a shutout. Yes. So Brown City – has been really good, really good. And this is a team that the last couple of years of 8-man uh, or eleven or man. of 11-man have not been very competitive at all.
2: No, no, they have not. And I think, yeah, the Green Devils have been the, the, the biggest surprise because I'm sure there were people in Brown City that were very upset that they were dropping 11-man and going to 8-man because there's this stigma to it. I'm sure their tune has changed a lot now, and I'm sure
1: the, the vibe and energy in that high school is a lot different now. And, and KPAC is also a, a great uh, story, uh, and again, um, I'm really interested to see how they play against Oakland Christian because Oakland Christian has been playing well, uh, and they're kind of a new eight-man program as well. Um, but uh, Pack beat North Huron, and I think North Huron's a little down this year, but North Huron has been a really good program for several years, um, so that's an impressive win, Northern and they held one them d- to eight points uh, in that game. They were twenty-two, twenty-two with uh, Deckerville with seven minutes to go in the football game at k Pack in week two before that one got away from them. And let's be honest, going into that game, Dennis, they were a heavy underdog. We were nervous
2: that you were going to get into running time at the start of the second half, and they
1: were. It was closer than a twelve-point loss. Yeah, and they beat Atherton by ten points this past week, uh, and and Atherton has been playing tough this year. Um, after several years of being down, but it looks like they finally figured it out. But again, Atherton's a nice example. They joined eight man a couple of years ago, and it was brutal for them. Yeah, they they started off their first three years. They were a combined four and eighteen. And they've already got a win this year and a two-point loss and now a 10-point loss to K-PAC. So uh, K-PAC and Brown City have been real good uh, stories. I'm
2: going to leave this one as simple as possible. Through three weeks, who are the best players you've watched play? You don't have to give me a comprehensive list, but the ones that I say, who are the best players you've seen this season and your answers.
1: Hazen later at uh, Cardinal Mooney has been just stupid good. Yep. Tetler is we knew that that he's what he is. Yeah. And we're
2: still waiting for that one game where he even just goes to that next just the video game level where he has three hundred yards on like fifteen carries and five touchdowns.
1: Yeah. The problem is is they don't get into too many games where he gets fifteen <laughs> right. carries. But uh you know, we we know he's really uh, good. Um the the other guy is Belly Grappi. Is just sensational. There, there's three or four guys on CrossLex Brady that that should Joey Ramsey get talked about. Joey Ramsey is legit. Um, I like Gavin Espinosa. He's a little bit of a Riverbolt gambler, but I like him. <laughs> he has a little Brett Favre gunslinger and, in him. And doesn't for he? the mistakes he makes, he makes five or six plays where you're like, how did he even see that guy? How did he get out of that pressure? How did he do that? Um, I really like him. A lot. Um, I like uh, Fletcher at Northern. Um, You you call Luke's name a lot when you do a Husky game. Um, I think he really does some nice things. And they've got some nice pieces around him. But he's a dude. Yes. Um, So, and those are a few. And there are probably more because I haven't seen everybody. Right. You
2: haven't. I mean, but you, just you, you actually haven't seen a Marine City game, have you? you no, have,
1: but I, I know I don't have to see a Marine City game to know about Tetler. Right, I'll get to see North Branch for the first time this week. Um, we know they yeah. have a really good quarterback,
2: and then they had they, they he's not a one man show. You have to have a good stable of running backs as well. So those are just a few of the questions since you know we're a third of the way through the season. I wanted to get your temperature on a few things to uh, talk about this week. We really have, outside of Armada beating Marine City, we haven't had that result where we go, oh, wow, I was not expecting that.
1: Yeah, no, it, it really, it's kind of gone along the way, The at least the way that, that I've uh, thought. I mean, I'm nervous every week going into the picks. But to be three weeks into it and have only been wrong twice, and this is not patting myself on the back because I'm very surprised by it. And we have another tough slate this week. Yeah, You you
2: sent me the the list of games we're doing for the picks, and you go, I don't like half these
1: games. (laughs) I don't.
2: Uh, So um, we are going to have to change up our top ten. There was a little bit of movement, and I think there's going to be a little bit of debate we have um, with a couple of the spots, but a lot of uh, wins, and uh, yeah, that's how we'll finish up this show with our top tens next.
1: for all your real estate needs. O'Connor Realty, small enough to know you, large enough to serve you. Neiman's Family Market located in St. Clair is family owned and operated and involved in the community. Neiman's has created a shopping experience providing a variety of quality products, specialty items with superior customer service. Whatever your grocery needs are, from meats, bulk food, bakery items, produce, or even floral, Neiman's Family Market has what you will need. Entertaining? Neiman's has a full deli and they do party trays. Check out our new mobile website and see weekly Specials, coupons, and recipes. Open 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. all week long. Visit Neiman's Family Market in St. Clair. You'll be glad you did. Marysville
3: This is Nash Phillips. I'm a class of
2: 2022. I get to experience education with the most athletic, extracurricular, and academic opportunities in the region. The district provides personal success for all students because each Port Huron school's journey is unique and special. I know I'm supported by my teachers and everyone in the district, both in the classroom and on the football field. I also know they care
1: about my well-being each and every day. For all your real estate and insurance needs, please go to our website at
0: SheridanAgency.com. If you're not listening to GetStuckOnSports.com, that's a personal foul. Your kids, your schools, your sports.
1: All right, back with uh, Dennis and Brady, and one of my least favorite things to do every week is pick a top ten. Well, <laughs> it's easier when um, it's easier when a lot of them win.
2: And you can just kind of stand pat, can't you? Yeah, usually. Because I think from last week, only two of my top 10 lost. So, Dennis, are you going to do the honors, or am I doing the honors getting us started? Uh,
1: Well, last week I had Marysville at uh, number nine. They had a tough loss at uh, Southlake. I'm going to drop them in at number 10 this week.
2: Number 10, Mooney re-enters my poll. Uh, That is a gritty win against a Liggette team that Dennis, by the end of the season, is going to win more than they lose. And I really, truly think that if that didn't decide... The Catholic League Championship in the Intersectional Two. That game will have a profound impact on the standings in the Intersectional Two. So Mooney comes back in, and the impressive part was, Dennis. They did it without some of some really talented players. They have.
1: Yeah, and I had Mooney at number ten last week, so I pushed him up to number nine after a nice eight nothing win at Liggett. I've had Harbor. I had Harbor Beach
2: in my top ten last week. I keep them in at number nine. They're three and zero. Oh. Um, they have Ubbly So. Enjoy the spot at number nine while you can, because who? I don't know how much longer uh, they'll be there, because W is a is a wagon.
1: Uh, I had PH at eight last week. I got them at eight again this week after a twenty point win over Mott.
2: Yeah, can't uh, can't punish them for that. I have them at eight as well. Although I also can't, you know, jump for joy uh, with that win, especially when all but one team above them won last week.
1: Uh, Almont again, they had a a big win, so they stay at number seven, right where I had them last week. And I
2: do as well. Emily City's down; they're not a they're not a great team. Uh, but Almont took care of business. Emily City's seventeen points came in the fourth quarter. Uh, it was it was out of reach by that point. This is the big one this week. If Almont beats North Branch Dennis, they have to be considered top three team in the area around there
1: oh, they, it depends they, they've, how they've they definitely got to get somehow somehow they've got to get into the top five but it won't be easy because no. the teams in the top five generally keep winning every week
2: but a win against north branch is is head turning and I think you might have to flip those two teams then in your ranking. You you might have to, and again, it depends how is it a one point overtime loss like Armada Marine City? Does does Almont dominate? Does one side dominate? And yeah, th- th- this will be an interesting week because somewhere the rankings will have to shake up a little bit differently for next week.
1: Now six is where I have had Ubley pretty much all along. All they do is win. They they crushed Marlette last week. Um, I'm going to keep Ugly at six just because it, it's hard for me to do anything else with them.
2: Yeah, I always agonize over this when I keep them as six as well. Ugly is a team that, again, I'll say it every week because I don't want the Bearcats to not get the love they deserve. If my ranking was strictly pound for pound who is the best team, they are no lower than two. Maybe three, if you really want to stretch it out. But they, they, in terms of likelihood to get to Ford Field, they might be number one. Yep. They might be number one because against the same size competition, they are absolutely steamrolling everyone. Marlette was two and zero, oh, and they didn't have a chance in that game.
1: Yeah, and and that's my only strike against them is that week in and week out, Ubley isn't always playing. The toughest competition. That is all. But when they do play the tough competition, they usually do well. And they did so against
2: Bad Axe in Week One. That's forty-one to seven. You know what Bad Axe has done in the next two weeks? A hundred and three to fourteen. Yeah. So a team that has scored a hundred, uh, excuse me, one hundred and one points rather, um, in the next two weeks,
1: fifty a game.
2: Yeah, one hundred and one points, and they were held to seven in Week One by an ugly team. Yeah. I think they're good, and I think you're going to see how just how good they are again against Harbor Beach this week. I wish I could put them higher. I mean, I could. It's my poll, But this is where they're <laughs> nestled in. Um, I just think that the top five teams are really, really good teams.
1: Yes. Uh, this was my biggest shakeup because I had our up at number two, but after losing by three touchdowns at uh, Cross Lex, which isn't a sin because Cross Lex is really good. But I dropped Armada down to number five just because the other teams in my top five all won pretty big this week. They did. I have Marine City at five.
2: And I, I'll just skip ahead and say Armada's number four. Looking at this, my tiebreaker was in week one, Armada beat them. Now, it's that's not going to be the be-all, end-all. If Armada loses another game, they're for sure dropping behind Marine City. The other thing with Marine City is for me, their two wins. Yes, they did win by a lot, but they beat Clawson and they beat a Saint Clair team that we that I think I had my preseason top ten and hasn't shown up since. So, I while they have handled business, had and I talked about it after the Armada win that their schedule isn't shaping up as much as maybe more than we thought. Now to get signature wins, they beat South Lake convincingly this week. Maybe it's enough to leapfrog, but two wins against two teams with losing records wasn't enough to keep the Mariners in front of Armada. And when I was agonizing over it, I went, well, they played it, and Armada won. So that's why Armada's four, and Marine City's five.
1: Now, well, I, I put Marine City at number four, and I put them ahead of Armada, and I know Armada beat them in week one. Okay, it was a double overtime, one point game that Marine City was one yard away from winning. Now, they didn't win it. I get that, but just because Armada beat them in week one doesn't mean that no matter what else happens the rest of the year, Armada has to stay ahead of Marine City in the polls all the time, which is what some people think. No. In week three, Marine City has shown that they are a better football team than they were in week one, and in week three, Armada showed that they were not quite as good a football team as they were in week one. Marine City, since losing by one point, won by 42 and by 25. That's plus 67. Armada handled uh, Yale by 24, but Croslex bullied. Armada is a team that usually goes out and bullies people, and Croslex bullied them this past week by 22 points. If that game was a little bit closer, Brady, a little bit more competitive, a little bit more up for grabs instead of over at halftime, Armada would still be ahead of Marine City in the standings, in my standings. I The only reason why I didn't
2: agree with you is because I think Croslex is big and they can bully, and I think Marine City, especially with where they are right now health-wise, would struggle going
1: up to Croslex. I think anybody would struggle right. going up to Croslex, but so
2: it's more you're
1: Armada and you're healthy and you're 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 big, and I
2: that's why because I think I'm I'm holding Croslex in such high regard that that type of loss isn't as damning to me as maybe you're holding there again. It's I four did, and I was, five.
1: I was there at the game and they just simply were not competitive, and that matters to me. Well, uh, we'll Marine City might have lost to them, but Marine City was competitive. They might not have played a perfect game. They might have made mistakes, but they were competitive. They had a chance to win at the end. Armada had no chance to win this game. I think Cross-Lex is a much better football team than
2: both Armada and Marine City. And, again, comes down to the tiebreaker. Again, it's it's the week four rankings. We'll find out when Armada has to play Almont and Armada has to play North Branch. If they deserve to stay ahead, and really, like I said, we'll find out this week if Marine City—if um, it's a tight competitive game with South Lake, maybe you give a nod to Armada if they run through South Lake. All right, that's another feather in the cap for Marine City. Um, all right, so you're up. Go to number three,
1: North Branch. Um, they just continue to destroy teams. Um, Again, I I don't really think they've played a challenging opponent yet. They will this week, and we'll see. But right now, uh, it's hard to ignore what North Branch is uh, doing. They were at uh, number, let's see, where were they? They were at number five for me last week. So I've actually jumped them over both Marine City and Armada. Interesting. I have Northern
2: at number three. They got a win on the road, 20-point win against a Lons Cruz North team that seems to have a a decent defense. Their offense struggles, but they win an ugly game, and you win on the road. Not going to punish them, and hey, I still think they're a darn good football team. I expect them to win big this week.
1: I got Northern uh, at uh, number two. They were at number three, and so with the win and the Armada loss, I pushed them up to number two. I leapfrogged North
2: Branch over Northern, and maybe it's a—I don't know—the bias of seeing North Branch just absolutely run teams, and may—and it was—it's over before it gets started. I mean, I—I I thought Yale would be a little bit more competitive. Like I thought this game would end up being. 45 17, 45 14, where North Branch wins handily, but m- kind of like Yale and Armado was. And it wasn't, Dennis. I couldn't get the updates fast enough. I think it was 28 0, either at the end of the first or just in the start of the second quarter. North Branch has just been so impressive to me that they have been steamrolling teams. They're, they're, they blitzkrieg. You, you get started and they run the wing tee and, that's not the offense set up to score like that and they have so i'm giving north branch the nod just on a uh, just by a bit over northern it is razor thin there
1: yeah i just i i don't know too big of a jump for me for a, a team that hasn't been challenged yet i do think they're good uh, i am very intrigued about this week's game um, and I'm very intrigued to see them play Armada and crosslex as well and see how those games pan out. Um, and and maybe, uh, again, I, I say I think we have four elite teams at the top, but how much separation is there between each of these four teams? I think- And that hasn't been panned out yet. Because I –
2: uh, God, I hate that we have to wait for week eight for North Branch Croslex. But that, th- that
1: that makes it fun. If if we it, played them all in the first five weeks, what will we talk about for the last four
2: weeks? Exactly. But um obviously at one we both have Croslex.
1: Croslex uh, again flex their muscle this week. Um I'm a little concerned about injuries there, but at least uh, They have for, a bye week. They they have a bye week and a win that puts that will put them at four and zero. But their their three wins are impressive. At Swan Valley, uh, they hold that that team to seven points. Mm -hmm. Uh, They crushed Richmond; it was no contest. Um, And they took it to Armada last week. Um, And uh, the Armada and the Swan Valley wins are quality wins.
2: Yes, they are. And at least resume wise, Croslex I think has a little bit of a gap to get. Like even if if. North Branch just throttles Elmont. I think I still give the nod to Croslex, even on a, on a week off, because
1: yeah. Let me say this right now, folks: Croslex is not moving from number one off my poll this week. I do not punish a team because another team can't play them. So North Branch, I think, could make it
2: uh, could close the gap sizably if they really handle Elmont. But Croslex has two really quality wins. And I think, yeah, I think we're headed for a collision course in week eight that, one way or another, is going to have significant ramifications on the BWAC conference race.
1: Uh, I think if you looked at the teams in our top fives, Crosslex and Armada have played the toughest schedules so far. Absolutely. I mean, you played Marine, you've played, well, uh, in
2: my poll, you've played uh, number five and number one. And in your poll, you played number four and number one. And you come out of it with a winning record. Yeah. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. So um, Thursday show, we'll do the picks. We'll go through every single game. Dennis, anything else for the people? That's all I got. All right. Sounds good.
0: From Port Huron to Marysville and St. Clair to Marine City, the Blue Water Area is Stuck on Sports.